I would like to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on Jar Jar Wurrung country. We pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this land and acknowledge leaders and elders past, present and future. Thank you. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Soul Care Bendigo's podcast, Naked. I'm your host, Gail Wilson, and together we will go through a series of storytelling, conversations and strategies about leaning into life's lessons, the good, the bad and the downright painful, as we journey back to ourselves and back to our intuition. Through the lens of witness and reflection, we will work our way through a series of raw, stripped-back, relatable topics and personal experiences. There will be laughter, tears and the occasional swear word because, hey, life is too short to hold back. So come along with me on this journey and let's talk life. You can follow and subscribe to Soul Care Bendigo's Naked to get notifications for upcoming episodes as they land in your space. So lend me your ears and your heart as we go through this journey together. G'day, g'day, Soulies. It is wonderful to chat to you again on this, well, in Australia, this sunny winter's day. It is beautiful here outside. And I've had the space to sit in reflection. Hmm, it's a really good space to be. I quite like it. I like the opportunity it has for my future. And while all the memories aren't always great, there's also a lesson to always be learned, a pivot to take, an opportunity for growth, all of those things. It never feels like it at the time, which is such such a pain in the bum. Wouldn't it be great if we were could sit in that mess and that misery and say, oh, I'm going to learn something really great from this this is going to change my life. This is going to really help me on a new path. But no, unfortunately, emotions come into play that are far more powerful than rational thought. And so today I have been sitting in reflection. Recently, as I completed my death doula course, a big element of that is about helping people create a legacy, particularly if someone has been given a life-limiting disease. And so, you know, they've got approximate amount of time that they know that they have left on this earth, in this body, with these relationships. Now, a legacy can, and I encourage it to be done by anybody at any time in their life, because we just simply don't know when it's our last day. Just like we don't remember the last time our little person held our hand when they crossed the road. Like the time we're saying goodbye to someone for the last time, we just don't know. So it's never too late and it's never too soon to start a legacy and a collection of things. So... Here's the reflection. Part of what you would help with someone if you're creating a legacy is a collection of their stuff. You know, you might want to help them curate the avenues in their life, you know, their personal collections or their personal achievements or something that, you know, tells the story that they once were here and they once lived. And that is fantastic. That is great. They're things that keep the conversation flowing They're things that held the memories. And when you retell the story of someone after they've gone, having that proof of existence is really important. And it is actually a really lovely way to do your grief process as well. The other part, though, that's probably the thing we can do the most while we're living and has got me reflecting on today is if you're someone who didn't have very much to leave behind, or if you're someone who has the whole wealth of things to leave behind. Who were you in your legacy of what's left behind to think of you as? And this got me, of course, reflecting of my father. 
And as some of you might know or have heard from previous episodes, my dad died suddenly. I don't know, about nine years ago. Um, he was 72 and it was awful and sudden and unnecessary and cruel. It was a very cruel death. And I often would think about what he would be like if he was still here now. The reality is, though, that my dad lived with a very terrible mental illness. And on the good days, he was great. And on the days that he wasn't great, uh, they were just different. But in the legacy of the days when he was good, this is what I want to talk about today. Because that's really him. The mental illness was something that affected him. But part of the knowledge and part of the education of understanding mental disease is knowing that they're still in there. But sometimes the cloud of darkness that comes over them kind of engulfs them and swallows them up. And who they are on those other days is their true self. Without the paranoia and without the anger and without the lashing out and all of those other things, which really is a person trapped, you know, acting in survival mode and also a brain that's so overwhelmed and in such a dark space. But on the good days, and thanks to modern medicine, thanks to mindfulness, thanks to early indication when someone's on their slippery slope back down, there can be more good days than bad days. So what do I have left to tell my children and their children about their pappy? Well, the legacy that my dad left behind was a mixture of old school Irish humour and song. The other beautiful legacy that my dad left behind is the acknowledgement of all people. What do I mean by that, you might ask? So because of my dad's mental health, he often wasn't really able to sustain really regular, frequent friendships. He was really great at the friendship with the guy with the cafe or the person in the bank, or the person in the news agents. They were such short, enriching, no pressure, no accountability friendships, which is where he thrived. It's what he could maintain between his bouts of darkness. So my dad used song really frequently as a method to entertain, but also to lighten up. So he frequently would dance and have a little jig around the house, very playful. He lived a lot in his playful personality side. He would sometimes sing to be annoying, which is obviously the evolution that happens when you turn into a teenager and it's not so cute anymore and it's not so fun anymore because you don't really see anything as cute or fun unless it's got to do with your primary friendship group. And so he would, you know, if we asked him a smart-ass question, he would sing a smart-ass answer back to us which in hindsight was, you know, at the time was so unbelievably annoying. But in hindsight, it was kind of his way of saying, you know, everything's going to be okay. Settle down, calm down. Is this really worth it? Like get over yourself, which is really what we needed to be told. However, he knew that that language would erupt with frigging chaos in the house and slamming doors and fights and things that go out of hand really quickly. And so he would just try to lighten the mood, always. He was always trying to lighten the mood. And as a strategy to that, I also used singing. In Dad's dark days where he was really grumpy and not very nice, or if there was fights going on between mum and dad, which weren't very often, but when they did flare up, it was a small house, everyone could hear everything. Or when he was fighting with someone on the phone, you know, some sort of telemarketer or something like that. 
a strategy I used to self-soothe because I wasn't at the time very comfortable with conflict because I don't like unpredictable behavior and I don't like people's feelings being hurt, I would sing. And so if this chaos was erupting in my house, I would quietly be in my bedroom singing. Now, I never, ever had a conversation to myself going, ooh, things are intense. I'm going to start singing a song. It would just naturally flow out of me. And it has always been a way that I've regulated myself, which is a blessing. And I do think was learnt from him because he used the same thing. So we all learn our coping strategies and mechanisms from the influences around us. Now, equally, I can be quite temperamental. Well, I have been in the past in my reactions to things, which is very much like him. Through personal development and self-care and witnessing why I fired up over things, now I'm much better at responding to a situation or just leaving it and coming back and having a civilized conversation. Thank God. Like, thank God for all the five people that I live with that I have those abilities to do that now because holy shit, I can go gangster really bloody fast and it doesn't serve anyone and it certainly doesn't ever make me feel good afterwards. So I try to live a bit more zen now and recognize when I can feel that temper flying up in my body and when I'm reactive to something, I kind of go within and go, why is this really getting under my skin? What's the primary emotion to that? So it's a little bit of taking the time to reflect, but also taking the time to kind of figure out what actually is the problem here. And I can blame everyone else for their behavior, but I am responsible for my choices. And so with that, dad created that mechanism in me to sing when I'm feeling overwhelmed or when I'm privy to a conversation I don't want to be a part of. Yeah, so thank him for that. Now, with dad's short friendships and his social awareness, I don't know if it's the Irish in him that he just acknowledged everybody all the time. It's a lost trait, I feel. Not saying that everyone is rude, certainly not. There are millions and millions and billions of absolutely sensational, wonderful humans walking this earth today. But dad noticed everyone in any action that they were doing and he acknowledged them, what they were doing and the effort they were putting in. So if it was someone sweeping the floor at our shopping center, he'd go, you're doing a good job at that. Look how nice and clean this place is because of you. And the smile at someone being seen and someone being spoken to kindly and valuing their work. Now that is a legacy that I think needs to be spoken about. It was about him acknowledging everyone and anyone. And he also had that balance of flirtation and cheekiness, which I also have inherited. It took my husband a long time to get used to that part of me because it's not sexual in any way. It's just a cheek and it is not gender specific. And so probably to the opposite sex, it may come across as flirting sometimes, but that is totally not what we're up for or into at all. It's just a playfulness. It's part of that character that's really fun to stay in and to play in and and have conversation in. And when you bring that out in someone else, you know, that's super cheeky and super fun. It kind of feels a little bit naughty, which I don't mind spending time in there. I think it's quite liberating, to be totally honest with you. And so dad would do that with people regularly. And if he walked around the lake and someone was walking around the lake, how hard is it to acknowledge that person to say, g'day, hello, my kids who probably naturally are a little bit shyer than me, maybe just age-based, but more than anything else. But they'll always say, why do you have to say hello to every bloody person that we see? And I'm like, because they deserve it. And if they don't want to say hello back, they don't have to. 
but just know it's my way of saying I see you, I acknowledge you, and I hope you're okay. That's all I want to do. I see you, acknowledge you, I hope you're okay. Sometimes I get in these fantastic conversations that go on for way too long and it's, you know, wonderful. The things I learn just listening to people's stories and engaging them is been some of the best conversations of my life. I remember being on a train ride with my girlfriends who probably listen and just be shaking their head at this reflection, but we were driving to Melbourne for a wild girls weekend in our mid-30s. And there was a gentleman on the train who was sitting all by himself. And the four or five of us, I think it was, couldn't get in one spot together. So we were kind of a bit split. And this fellow was sitting there and it's quietly looking out the window. And, you know, I could have just left him be. I'm sure many people just enjoy staring out the window. But he engaged me and said, oh, what are you girls up to this weekend? Now, there's two ways to go in that. I could think that he, which is probably what the media want me to think, that he's creepy guy who's only got one agenda. He's a sticky beak. You know, the negatives that people like to point out in other people. Or I could have a chat with this guy, get to know him, have a laugh, make each other's train trip go a little bit easier. And who knows? Who knows what story he might share with me? And I've always said, if I could spend the rest of my life hearing stories, I would be such a happy person. I know in this podcast, I'm talking to you But I actually love to hear your story as well. We're just so different. We're so similar in what we crave and what we want in life down to our core. But the way we express that or the way we journey through that is so different. And that's what I love to hear. And so I was sitting next to this gentleman on the train who was nearing 80. And he was going for a fabulous week in Melbourne with some of his friends. He was recently a widow within two years and desperately missed his wife. And I just said, well, would you like to tell me about her? And we got chatting. And so my friends were like sliding in their chair, not because they didn't care about this man's story, but because they just find that kind of conversation or the pressure to have a response or I don't know, you know, they kind of were a bit cheeky and picked on me like, do you have to make friends everywhere? And I'm like, I actually like to make friends around everywhere I go. And sorry, yes, it takes me a long time to get from one place to another. I don't care. If that's the thing that makes me run late is hearing people's stories, I'll be running late for the rest of my life, folks. And he, yeah, he just started talking about his wife and the memories and the fun and what she was like. And and then all of a sudden we were in Melbourne and it was time to hop off the train. And he just said, thank you so much for sharing your time with me and for letting me speak on my wife. And, you know, a couple of times I'd engage my friends to join in the conversation and they would. They were certainly friendly but they were kind of happy doing their own thing. And it's that I think you can feel a pull. Do you think that you sometimes feel a pull from another human, but the awkwardness of what to say or how to start a conversation gets in your way, like your head gets in your way faster than your compelled heart for another soul does? And that's what my dad did. That was probably his biggest legacy is letting people know that they were seen and that he had the time to hear them out And he gave them a laugh and some cheek and he lifted. Everyone always felt better after his company. It was quite remarkable. And so I think that that is a bloody fantastic legacy. We have his watch and we have his wallets and we have his favorite shirts. And I actually, this is something I will say that has been one of the best legacies that got left behind is a couple of his old flannelette shirts that were so soft and smelt like him we got made into pillows 
So they're still buttoned down and basically they remove the sleeves and cut the bottom square. And so the pillows still have his collar and his button down in the super soft flannelette that were shirts that he wore as staples under his clothes. So that is a really lovely thing to do if you're grieving someone or, you know, we can cuddle up with that on the couch. And when I was grieving his loss, it was a massive part of helping me feel that he wasn't far away. And I ended up going to buy the cologne that he always wore, of course, Brute, and would sprinkle that and still do to this day, nine years later, sprinkle it on those two shirt pillows of his and can smell him. And just for a little bit, just for a little bit longer, I can sit in those memories. And as the years went on, the tears dried up and the smile formed. And I will be ever thankful that for all the things of his, money comes and goes. The watch is lovely, but it sits in my jewelry box not doing much. But the shirt, the shirt made into the cushion that sits on our couch that smells like him, feels like home, feels like home. So the legacy, think about it. What am I contributing to? So here's my takeaway, because you know I like to do a little pocket rocket expression and reflection at the end of this episode. This is a reflection within a reflection, which seems a little bit over the top, but hey, that's how I roll. My takeaway, whose life can I make better by giving them the space to chat? What story can I be entertained with, good or bad, that adds to my calibre of connection? Am I being my best self that when I leave this earth, I will be proud of myself as will everyone who loved me? And then next part, if I'm feeling unloved, if I'm disconnected from people who were my nostalgic past, what can I do moving forward? Do I need to make amends? Do I need to write some letters? Do I need to be softer? It's okay that if someone did something really terrible to you that you don't want to make that connection again, that you don't want to tie up that loose end, but find ways to let it go that it doesn't sit in your body. That's the biggest thing. Find ways to let go of it so it doesn't sit in your person anymore. It doesn't own you. It doesn't hold you back. You can just love freely. And then when you do that, you can start to build on your legacy. You can start to build on your actions in your life and what truly brings you joy, so that then your memory can get passed on through families in a really positive way. Anywho, that's what I was thinking about today. I was thinking about my dad. He's coming up a lot more recently, a lot more. And whenever I do spiritual work, which I have just done on the weekend, I've just finished my level two Reiki, when I allow my space, myself the space to sit in meditation and give myself Reiki, he pops up a lot. The thread is so fine, folks, between the living and the deceased. It is so fine. And I know there are millions of accounts around the world talking about people sensing that their loved one was close by, sensing that, you know, they had a conversation, a song come on the radio, or a. it's just uncanny. There's millions of them. And I'm sure you, my friend, would have something pretty mysterious to share that you don't know or can't explain how it happened or how you felt it or how you smelt it or whatever it was. Just be a good human. Love yourself and love others. Even the ones who have hurt you. Find a level of understanding at why they did what they did. Don't let it contaminate you and your potential to leave something so impressionable and so lasting behind. Because there's no need for you to carry that on. There's no need. Life's too short. 
Take care, my beautiful Soli tribe. As always, it is a pleasure speaking to you. Take care and be well. And that's all for today, folks. As always, thank you for letting me your ears and your hearts. I feel so grateful and blessed to be able to share these stories with you and bring us together as a community. This is Gail Wilson, and this is Soul Care Bendigo's podcast, Naked. Don't forget to follow and subscribe so that you get notifications on the next episode as it lands. Take care and just be kind to yourself.